0: scandals, fraud, celebrity worship. Based on those three things, you would not think I was talking about churches. Christianity, especially in the West, has more than enough things to critique. And quite frankly, if you hop on any social media app, you will find more than a plethora of people exposing the church. The toxicity of purity culture, Christians being pro-birth and not pro-life, the church being repressive and destructive to your mental health, being more consumed with politics and power than helping the poor. And today, I'm facing it Head on, and we need to talk about it. R- 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 Bruce Long. Christianity is toxic. Christianity does more harm than good. Christianity is bad, and generally has a net negative contribution to the world. I'm going to be give you guys my honest thoughts. I'm going to give you guys one passage that I think will give us some of the motivation and how this plays out. And so I'm very excited to be here with you guys. Quick backstory on me: some of you guys don't know this. I actually come. From a local church ministry background, meaning that I've actually been at my church for 20 years. This December will be 20 years. I've been at the same local church here in San Marcos, California. And in the year 2013, me and my family actually went full-time and went on staff at the church we had spent a couple years paying off our debt about a year and a half paying off our debt and then we transitioned we were able to go into ministry full-time i was the creative media director at my church i also was on the sermon preaching team and so that allowed me to communicate from a sunday morning platform about six to eight times a year is usually all the Sundays that like the other pastor didn't want to preach. I would get those leftover bones, but I was excited because I was in my early thirties at the time, and I was down. Like, hey man, I'll, I'll 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 preach whenever I can preach. So this was a period that I was on staff for about two years. It wasn't perfect, honestly. It was hard, but. It taught me a lot of grit. It taught me a lot of resilience. It gave me the actual skills you guys see me doing this live stream with. It gave me those skills to learn about video switches, learn about live streaming, because ultimately, I was the media guy overseeing the Sunday morning live stream. Why am I telling you guys all this? Well, had our first baby in 2014. My son Levi was born in 2014. 2015, we transitioned off staff because we felt like God was leading us to go into the marketplace and to be full-time musicians and run a business. That's what I did from 2015. And it was difficult. It was a hard transition. But immediately after our transition, I went on tour for about a month in September. And when I came back, I had discovered that there was a pretty big breakdown within our local church. The founding pastor basically did some questionable things with the finances. And after a very messy back and forth and one of my close friends kind of being the whistleblower on it, brought all the information to the elders, he was sat down and forced to step down because of financial irresponsibility, because of some other questionable actions. And this was messy. Uh, The church almost didn't make it. And I, thankfully, I believe God kind of sheltered me from this because I could have been in the mix of that. And it was really hard when you are around a big charismatic influential leader that could build a church to you know we were I think about I don't know 1,500 members at the time, and I believe God pulled me away transitioned me into music. I was secluded. I wasn't in the mix of all any of that. And let me tell you, there was the folks that were there went through it all experienced a lot of church trauma, a lot of hurt. And I'm not talking about somebody hurts your feelings because you. We're sleeping with your girlfriend and they told you you're in sin and you can't sleep with your girlfriend. No, no, no. Just no. this, this is way deeper than that. I've experienced this full time. Subsequently, I've seen this pattern over and over. So when I listened to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, for example, it was almost cathartic hearing those stories because I had went through very similar type of behavior, very similar type of decentralization of power, very sim- similar type of like spiritual gaslighting. I experienced it firsthand. And Seeing this stuff come out with Hillsong, uh, Hillsong and all these different things that are coming out. So, when we talk about these things on a channel, I want to give you guys some motivation uh, uh, of my motivation in some of this. That's why. However, 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 that does not negate the ridiculous critique that I'm seeing float all over social media that Christianity is somehow toxic, that it is unhelpful, that it is oppressive to women, the patriarchy. In the caricatures of Christianity that I think a lot of that stuff is absolutely not accurate to reality. They're claims and they're not reflective of reality. Here is why there's a false caricature around Christianity. It's because almost anyone that claims the title Christian just gets acknowledged as a Christian, it's not measured by church attendance. It's not measured by reading your Bible. It's not measured by any other thing except someone self-identifying as a Christian to the point where I started seeing things floating on the Internet saying, oh, well, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin, he's an Orthodox uh, Russian Christian, and you know this is just this is the overflow of Christianity. Christianity is just toxic and it has a su- supremacy component to it, and that's what we're seeing manifested when you see guys like Putin and other dictators doing all well. that it's, it's, it's all christianity's fault, and I want to make it very clear that though I have tons of critique with the modern Western evangelical institution, especially with some of the mega church type of culture, the celebrity culture that we're seeing, though I have that. Let me make it very clear. That is not indicative of the average Christian who reads their Bible, attends a local church, is active, is faithful, and is growing in their relationship with Jesus. There's a caricature of this nonsense, and then there's people actually on the ground living this up. I wanted to highlight something I came across a, about a week or two ago. Some of you guys sent this to me, and I thought it was really good. There's a pastor out of Dallas named Josh Horton that put together this fire Twitter thread that of a lot of stuff based on the statistics— And is manifested. Now, I'm going to get into some of the historical sides of Christianity. I'm going to get into a passage that kind of drives all this. But is driven by the actual raw number, not of people that claim the title Christian, that's cultural Christianity. That's, I was born in the Bible Belt, therefore I'm a Christian. I was born of this ethnicity, therefore I'm a Christian. I was born of this ethnicity, therefore I'm a Catholic. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are active in church, living out Christian values. So I want to show this to you. This may shock you. Check out this thread. And he's using studies to back this up. And there's other people that have promoted similar things. So here are some of the nonsensical critiques of Christianity that when you peel away at the layers and the actual math are just not true. Here's one, evangelicals aren't really pro-life, they're just pro-birth. They don't care about babies after they're born. The data actually shows conservative Christians adopt more children than any other population segment, more than doubling the norm, okay? So practicing Christians, practicing Christians are 5% versus all U.S. households are 2%, okay? So here is something that came, and the source for this is the Barna Research 2013 report, okay? Now, I think maybe we need to be more distinguished in what is a practicing Christian. Again, there's that side of it. And also being more uh, clear with our communication of our values and how this is a historical value going all the way back to Christians early in the church, caring for babies and out, left to die out in Rome. Okay. So this is something that, that, that we have a historical connection and a scriptural connection to that I'm going to get to in a second. Okay. Here's another one. The church is sexually repressive and anti-sex purity culture. Now I have gripes with purity culture. I have gripes with purity culture, but, but not everybody who's a Christian jumped into purity culture. I told a story on here with me and my wife. Early on, we started dating, and the book, I Kissed Dating was uh, floating around by the guy who kissed Christianity goodbye. Okay, so he kissed dating goodbye, then he kissed Christianity goodbye, and guess what? We didn't like that book. We we like was like, yo, this is trash. Openly, as like young nineteen year olds, like this is tr- this is trash. We knew enough, and there was a book that came out as a response called "Boundaries in Dating" that we actually followed, and it set us up to have a, a solid, healthy dating relationship, courtship. Then we got engaged, then we got married, and we've been married fourteen years together, almost eighteen years. Data: This is the facts. Data: Church-going conservative Christians are in a category with the most fulfilling sex lives. Hmm, interesting. Highly religious. Christian couples here have a higher sex fulfillment than any other group. Here's the article. Again, this is another person. This is a different uh, Christian uh, writer. David French said the most religious women in America express the highest sexual satisfaction. Wait, pop culture and parts of the academy got... An awful lot wrong, and here's the article The Sexual Revolution Got Sexual Satisfaction All Wrong, and it goes super deep into the studies about which demographic of women actually claims to be the most fulfilled in a relationship. And there's multiple graphs showing that it's actually highly religious couples saying they're most fulfilled. Isn't that something? And women, Christian women, practicing Christian women here are identified as the most fulfilled. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Yet, if you look at what the world's saying, ah, the patriarchy, women aren't fulfilled. Nonsense. Okay? Because the data doesn't back it up. Here's another one. The church is emotionally repressive and destructive to your mental health. Now, some of you guys know this. I knew this. Regular church attendance dramatically uh, improves, dramatically improves your mental health. Regular church attendance dramatically improves your, your mental health. The only people in the U.S. whose mental health improved in 2020 was regular church attendees. Interesting. Oh, Christianity is toxic. It's just so impressive. Oh, well, because I, I don't know about you, but my actual mental health has improved within the last couple of years. Right? And there's a study for that. Now, I'll, I'll link this up. This is Washington Times making these claims. So Washington, these are secular sources, friends. Okay? Let's keep going. Evangelicals don't care about the poor. They just care about political power. Data. Church-going Christians are exponentially more generous to the poor with both time and money than the rest of the population. And the data here is just through the roof. Annual charitable donations. persons who attend religious services. 27 to 52 times a year. So you going half the year. right? And, and, and that's what that looks like. The numbers aren't, it's not even a comparison. Americans who attend church and pray regularly give to the poor. 65% of them do. This as of 2014 Pew Center Research. Okay? Did volunteer work. Americans who attend church regularly, 45% of of them do volunteer work regularly. Okay? In the past seven days. Interesting, isn't it? Wisdom will be proven right by our children, Jesus said. Here's another one. The church is oppressive to women. A tool of the abusive patriarchy and creates toxic relationships for women. Well, the data says conservative Christians, uh, cr- Christian gender traditional church going women are in the happiest relationships in the American in America, and abuse decreases fifty percent in this category. Here's the chart: and abuse decreases when couples share, share quote unquote traditional gender roles. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So the world's telling us, it's a uh, toxic Christian, toxic relationship. just uh, not what the data says. Let's keep going, right? Church attendance significantly decreases abuse of women. There's the source there. And I'll link, the, I'll link all this up so you guys, can, you guys can proofread me, okay? Culture, the church is morally backwards and bad for society. We've all heard this one, okay? Uh, the data, data, the church is awesome for society, and the higher the church attendance, the lower... Burglary, larceny, robbery, assault, and homicide. Okay, Outreach Magazine is the is the source for that, and the church is uh, irrever- irrelevant or ideologically and emotionally harmful to raising children. Okay, this is nonsense as well. Data: Regular church attendance significantly decreases all three of the big three dangers in adolescence: depression, substance abuse, and sexual proximity. Culture, the church. Doesn't help your marriage. Now, I knew this one for a while. Some of you guys still don't believe it. Church doesn't help your marriage. The divorce rates are the same. Hogwash. Hogwash. Practicing Christians have a 35% less likely to be divorced. Okay? Pra- yeah. Practicing Christians. Okay? Church is a waste of time. Regular church attendees uh, literally gives you more time. Increasing life expectancy by up to seven years. Okay? So there's... The 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 nonsensical narrative and then there's reality. And so this these allegations that Christianity is toxic, Christianity is well first you gotta describe what you mean by Christianity. Okay? Is it just somebody that just throws their hands up and says they're a Christian, say they said a prayer once upon a time, or is it somebody that's practicing active in church, reading their Bible in a small community, right? There's a a huge distinction there. And two, I'm going to give you guys the motivation for this, which is James. One of the motivations, tons of motivation for this. Check out out James chapter one. James, uh, many believe this is the brother of Jesus who wrote this letter. And he says in uh, chapter one, verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers. Only deceiving yourselves, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. James is telling you to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands, right? But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, isn't that beautiful? The law of liberty. The law gives you liberty. The law gives you parameters to flourish, right? The law is a law of liberty and perseveres being no hearers, being no, no hearers who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious, listen up. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And here it is religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world okay so it's to care for the widows and the orphans and to remain unstained from the world system in our pursuit one of jesus's last addresses to his disciples okay his last sermon was actually in matthew chapter 23 and then he starts addressing his disciples in matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25 before he goes to the cross they're asking him about the last days and he's giving you all the warning signs it's all the scary armageddon stuff right Chapter 24, that's where all that stuff is. And then chapter 25, he starts telling you how to be prepared for the last days. And he goes into the parable of the foolish and the wise virgins. Then he goes into the parable of the talents, which is all about being faithful with your time, talent, and treasure. And then it goes right into, not a parable, but a story about the least of these. He says, hey, many will come to me on the last day, and, and, and I'll tell them you cared for me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in jail, you visited me. All, and you did all these things for me. And I'll say, when did we do these things for you? And he says, what you did to the least of these, the orphans, the widows, you've done unto me. Right? And so what's, what's, the, what's the point? What's the point? For those of us that are in Christ Jesus— we are driven by a glory and a purpose much bigger than ours. Everything we're doing, we're called to do on to the glory of God. Amen. So when you're doing things on the glory of God, it's not just about you. That means the motivation is deeper. And so what we're doing is we're looking to live our lives onto and and for from a, from a place of doxology, not from a place of trying to prove your salvation through works, but from a place of God's been so good to me. He's transformed me so well from the inside out because of the blood of Jesus that I, 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 the least I could do was live on to the glory of God in all, every area of my lives. And that is why the, the born again, Christian life should look different than the world. And it should be a life of service and it should be a life of selflessness and it should be a life of sacrifice. And when you examine people who practice Christianity, it is by far dramatically different than people who are in the world across every single measurable metric, as we pointed out in the studies earlier in this video. And so the question is, is Christianity toxic? No, friends, historical Christianity has contributed more good to the world than anything else under the sun and to, to, to dismiss miss that would just be uh, not only disingenuous, but ignorant of just basic history. Furthermore, what we've seen in the toxic things done in the name of Jesus, I would say wasn't really Christianity. It was churchianity. It was people that were just following orders. It was people that were more conformed to a culture and ethnic identity of being a Christian and less actually being practicing followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. Friends, that is not Christianity. So don't use a broad stroke to lump everybody in in something that it's not right? Christianity, the, the, the global Christianity. When you take what we believe here, most of us who are watching this are probably Protestant. Maybe some of you guys are Catholic, but if you compare what we believe here, the essentials that we believe here about God, the nature of God, the glory of God, the, the, the nature of, of the Trinity, all these different things where we take those things and we examine them against someone that may even have a different canon. Like I grew up Armenian Orthodox. There's a different canon there, but the essentials of the faith are the same. The, the, the first creed, the identity of Jesus, the, the what is salvation? What is the reason for the cross? What is God's design for marriage? If you look over at Ethiopian church, same thing, different canon, different arm. So this notion that like Christianity is supremacy manifested. Oh, look at Putin. No, friends, that's nonsense because there's tons of places all over the world where people practice Christianity And they love Jesus. And they live more fulfilling, flourishing lives, even though they may not be more comfortable lives. They live more fulfilling, abundant lives, even though they may not be more happier lives all the time. And that is the beauty of what a transformed relationship, what Jesus does to one's heart, so that he can live onto the glory of God in every area of our lives. So, I wanted to come on here, man, because I've been seeing stuff all over social media. A lot of this hogwash and and, and again, there's tons of stuff that we need to address. And by the way, that's why I address some of this stuff on this channel. We address stuff Internally, we need to address these things in house. So it's not the world exposing the church. We could expose the nonsense in the church, so that we can heal the church and make things better. Oftentimes when you go to the doctor, you got to first know what the problem and the issue is before you get the treatment. We need to do that. We need to do that in house. So anyway, hopefully, this is helpful to you guys, man. Let me know what you guys think, and uh, I'll see you guys soon. All right. Kingstream Entertainment. Bruce line. Thank you so much for making it to the end of the video. Be sure to check out some of the links in the description, including a free How to Study the Bible course and a free Master My Habits course that I put together with my Christian therapist, Dr. Rudy. And be sure to check out some of these other links from me and YouTube recommended to you.